you remember um, the context for all this? The upper room? We're in the upper room. Uh, the, uh, in the upper room, uh, last, last 24 hours of Jesus' life, terrible as news has come that there's a traitor amongst the 12. Actually, there's two traitors. Because there's Judas, we know, but of course... Peter, that was an act of betrayal, wasn't it, when denying Jesus three times? And we thank God that uh, he was restored. And we're going to look at the restoration of Peter. With this message come to Je- from Jesus at this critical time, do not be afraid. Trust in, you trust in God, trust also in me. And the, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, Emma Help to see the promise of the Holy Spirit, how Jesus leaves us another comforter because their comforter was going to go. Their, their comforter was leaving. And then it reminded us of God's language of love. Remember what his love language is? God's love language? What was it? Obedience. And before we go around trying to start our earning our way to the Father in heaven by trying to be obedient... Emma reminded us that God actually gave us the power to obey because he gave us the Holy Spirit. So it's not about what we can achieve on ourselves. It is only what God can do in us through his Holy Spirit. So there's no sense of earning salvation at all. The Spirit has been poured out into our lives and so that we don't feel alone. Hasn't the Holy Spirit been busy during COVID? And we've been isolated. We are told that uh, we're given the Holy Spirit so we're not like an orphan. That we might experience the presence of God, the power of God to live. And we're encouraged to speak God's love language of obedience. Not in any sense working our way to heaven. As we come to um, today's passage, uh, there is a sense that um, I think it aligns with what Paul says in Philippians 2.12. There's this rather disturbing passage that Paul says. He says, Dear friends, as you have always obeyed, that's the language of love, not only in my presence but now much more in the absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Does that worry anybody? About working out your salvation with fear and trembling? For it is God who is working you to act in order to fulfil his purpose. I'd like us to hold that aside on one moment, just aside while we, we go through this passage, because we're going through, I said, actually we're going chapter 15, not 16, sorry. Uh, and the last few words of chapter 14 says, Come now, let us leave. Remember where Jesus is? Where's Jesus? In the upper room. He says, Come now, let us leave. So, what's the implication? They're leaving the upper room. I'd imagine there'd be bowls of food left, uh, wine that'd been drunk, dirty dishes. There was definitely a dirty bowl of water over there, wasn't there? That had once had the dirt on the feet of the disciples. There was a towel there. Now these 12 men were walking down into the night. Uh, Of course, it was not, probably was not completely dark. the Passover happens just after a full moon, and so and every Easter we talk about the Easter moon, don't we? You know, because it's so big and round. 
And so they were probably walking out, they didn't have street lights, of course, but they were working, walking out in this moonlight. That if it was a cloudless day, that they would have um, been able to see. And where were they going? To the Garden of Gethsemane. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus starts talking about things like fig trees and vines, because what's in a garden? Fig trees and vines and olive trees and that type of thing. And Jesus says things like, well, let me show you. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I am in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. So such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, also whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we've got a bit of a story here, the illustration, a bit of a word picture, haven't we? And uh, who is in this word picture? We have the true vine. The true vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. In the Old Testament, of course, the people of Israel were the vine. If you look at Psalms or Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, they were the vine, God's vine. But here Jesus says, I am the true vine. And the fullness of the vine is, is being tended and growing. It brings fruitfulness. That's the desire, fruit. And Jesus promises to give the branches... Whatever it wants, so that it would bear fruit. The branches are given anything they want to bear fruit. In this picture, we've got the gardener. This is God. God owns everything. He's, it's the gardener's desire to have fruit. I don't know any... I know there's a few gardeners out here. There's, on the way out, you probably get a bag of something that comes from someone's garden. There is fruit. The, the reason we grow vegetables, the, the reason we grow fruit, well, is to get fruit. <laughs> but the, the gardener, and talk to the gardeners, they cut the branches off. They cut the, the, the bits to enable new fruit. Fruitfulness is, the, is for the glory of God. And so it, it shows who he is. And so when we show things like love and mercy and justice, forgiveness, we see God's, that is all part of who God is. But the difference between us and God is he can show his wrath. He can show his, uh, his, his justice. He's holy and he's got grace and power. And we have the branches in this story. So we've got 
We've got the gardener, we've got the vine, we've got the branches. You don't have to be, you don't have to be too sharp to understand who the branches are. It's us. We, we are to abide in the, in the vine. We are made clean because of the word. We are pruned. Faithfulness is, is, is only possible as we connect in with the vine. We have confidence to do all that we need to do because of the glory of God, because we're in Jesus. We show fruitfulness as a disciple of Jesus. As I was thinking through this, this week, I got a text from someone. Where, and so I'm going to show you my text messages, okay? We did some theology by text message. Uh, so here's a text from one of the pastors. This is me to a pastor. Hi, how is everyone? Uh, do you want to meet up one-on-one this Thursday morning? Uh, well, he said, all sick, but the family's sick, but getting better. I think I've managed to basically avoid it. Love to catch up. I'm busy this Thursday, Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. Well, neither morning's good for me. What about, what about Wednesday, third, oh, Penrith, perhaps? Thursday afternoon. This is all really interesting, isn't it? How's this connected with... Let's, Thursday afternoon, 11th, you mean? Yeah. I said, I'll tell you if it's the 11th, if you tell me the fruit from the vine in John 15, okay? What is the fruit spoken about? You can have, he's on, he's on sabbatical. I said, you can have theological thoughts on sabbatical, you know. So I'm getting him to do the work for me. What is, I want you to think about, what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here? He goes on. He says, ha ha. Now, if you're a bit older than me, when people go, ha ha, that's not, they're not making fun of you, okay? It's just like a bit of a, bit of a smiley, laughy thing, you know? When I first got a ha-ha, I thought, this guy's having a go at me. But no, no, it's, it's not. It's just, um, it's just a nice little sort of way to connect. So he's not having a go at me. He says, the immediate context for new, new disciples coming from the disciples' witness. So you've got the picture. Jesus is going through, through the, the garden, and he's saying to his disciples, he's saying, you disciples, you're the vine, I'm the... You're the branches, I'm the vine. You stay connected with me because I want more fruit. And so what he was saying there is he wants to see the church grow, doesn't he? He wants disciples to be formed. He wants more disciples. He wants new disciples because he's talking to 11 disciples. Stay connected with me even though I'm going and be fruitful. He says... But I think, because it isn't stated specifically, especially the fruit of the Spirit can be seen here. So the fruit of the Spirit, do you remember that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That should be evident in any believer of Jesus. These things should be growing more and more. We should be seeing these things in our life. He says, I think when I most recently spoke on it, I said something like, it is everything that brings glory to the Father that is birthed into our lives through abiding in the vine. So whatever 
comes out of your connection with Jesus, whatever comes out with you being connected with Jesus, that is the fruit that is going to be seen to the glory of God. So if you're connected with Jesus, if you're being in with Jesus, where is lust? It's not there, is it? Where is greed? Well, it's not there, is it? Where is adultery? Well, you won't find that there. But where is love? Oh, you'll see that. What is generosity? Where is, where is encouragement? Where is hope? Where is faith? You'll see that, won't you? Because you're connected with Jesus. So my friend here is saying that... Oh, hang on. He goes on, I think. Oh, I said, correct. Well done. See, I was testing him. Um, just testing, of course. Yeah, yes, the 11th of March. But he goes on. He says... It's such a powerful passage for me over the last year or son. Oh, look, he's got a so with, a, with an asterisk. So if you're new to texting, that means I meant to write so. So he's saying such a powerful message for me over the year or so. This has been impacting him over the last year. He says, and yet it's like one of those passages. Every time I read it, there is just so much there to unpack. Like it's so rich. It's so simple. Ian could teach that to our kids, couldn't he? And they would be able to come and tell you about that. And yet, it's such a profound thought. It keeps changing and thinking in, in our minds and hearts. I don't care how long you're in the faith. If this doesn't just amaze you, there's something not happening all I can say is absolutely. We as a church have a plan for seeing more fruit. We call it our mission. Love God, love others, making disciples who follow, learn from and obey Jesus. God will prune us to make it happen. So let me ask the question, how does God prune the trees? Because both here have got healthy trees, haven't we? We've got, that's out of season, of course, and that's in season. But these are the ones that are going to be pruned how do we see God pruning his faithful people in the Old Testament? Think of Abraham. You know how God pruned it, pruned him? By keeping him, not giving him a son too early. He made him wait for almost 100 years to get a son. Think of Moses. What, how did God prune Moses ready for fruitfulness? He put him in Pharaoh's court for 40 years and then he put him in a desert for 40 years and then after 80 years he was ready to lead the people of God. Think of Jonah, three days in the belly of the fish. Hosea had to the shame of a wife turned prostitute. The nation of Israel utterly destroyed and defeated, exiled to Babylon. We see Peter, his desires for Jesus uh, was, were only proven false. And even today we talk about how he failed Jesus. We see Paul, he was prisoned and shipwrecked and beaten and had a thorn in his side. We see Jesus, his trials in the wilderness and, and the, the gardens. And yet we want to have a happy life, don't we? We expect to have a life that is is just so happy and rich and fulfilling and we don't want that way. 
We want to have this way. So let me ask you the question, how has God been pruning your life? Understanding that he does things to bring more fruitfulness in your life. I don't know if there's anyone here who's not felt the pain of being pruned in some ways in the last 12 months. Some, some of us have been had it particularly hard, harder than others. Are we willingly willing to submit to that pruning? And think of Job. Job, who was the most righteous man in the world, and yet by the end of it, end of Job, he, he goes through this terrible hardship and he says to, to God, he says, my ears had only, only heard of you. My eyes before had only seen you, but now I see you in a new way. Job experienced that hardship of the loss you know, for how long, we don't know, it doesn't tell us. And he could say, I think what he's saying here is I've met God in a new way. And it was worth it. It was worth it. Why would you choose such a trial? Why would we allow ourselves to go through such a trial? It's all to do with love. Jesus goes on, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Just take take a note there. In the same way the Father has loved me, God the Father loved the Son, Jesus says to his disciples, in the same way I have loved you. Is that heresy? It sounds like heresy to me, that somehow that the same way that the Father loves the Son, that Jesus loves his disciples, that Jesus loves us that much. So he says, now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. That's the language of love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remained in his love, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, he's called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my commandment, love one another. The, the quality of God's, of Jesus' love for us is that we are, we are loved in the same way. We looked at, uh, you know, I think my PowerPoint's gone, is it? Yep, okay. So we're going we're gonna to skip a few things. That I was, yeah. Um, joy is the key. Love and joy is the key for us. Jesus said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that you may, your joy may be complete. Jesus is saying that he gives us his joy and that will be enough. But how often is it not? How often is it not? Jesus left this enduring command to us to love one another. There's an enduring command. Um, if the 
PowerPoint comes on soon, I'll, I'll, t- I'll show you a picture of the, the last, second last soldier who surrendered in World War II. His name was Hiro Onodo, a Japanese soldier. He, was, uh, he continued the war for 29 years after it finished. He surrendered in 1974 in the Philippines. His, his standing orders that his, his commanding officer said was, you're not to commit suicide and you're never to surrender. For 29 years, Hiro Onodo continued the war. To stop him, to, to actually get him to cease, they found his old commanding officer after 29 years. They flew him to the Philippines so that he could give the order to stand down. Isn't that amazing? Jesus has given us a standing order to love one another as Christ has loved us. That's the standing order. If we could take the inspiration of a Japanese soldier who can obey his orders, wouldn't that be remarkable? I'll show you a picture. I was going to miss that one. There he is. After 29 years, finally surrenders because his commanding officer gave him the orders to stand down. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This is my command, love each other. And what we see is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Penrith Baptist as a church has experienced pruning. Our church has been pruned. The last 18 months, 22 years, it's been pruned. We've had COVID, yes. Um, there's some sense that, uh, the, the, you know, it's been difficult for the transition from Neil, uh, as pastor after 23 years. It's been, been difficult. There's been a pain, you know, the thought of someone else, me, coming in, and, uh, and also for the, the next pastor, there's some pain there, there's some pruning there. There's uncertainty. But let me encourage you. The pruning happens so that there, there is more fruit. And I certainly believe that Penrith Baptist is being, is being prepared for a very fruitful season. Let me encourage those who are not members. Um, yeah, we do need to have formal membership in Baptist churches. And I'm, I'm very happy for everyone who comes and be a part of it. Let me encourage you, there's a season coming where we need to, yeah, we need to have members. So let me encourage you, if you're not a member yet, um, if you've been around for a while, then consider it, prayerfully consider it. But we also need people who are going to capture the vision of being fruitful for the sake of the kingdom, even though, I promise you, it probably won't be as bad as being shipwrecked and, uh, or beaten a couple of times, you know, the cat of nine tails, like Paul, uh, it certainly won't be as painful as Jesus going through the Garden of Gethsemane, but there's going to be some pain. Uh, pruning always brings pain.
So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to get the music team to lead us in a song, and uh, and then uh, then we're going to leave the live stream, and Ray's going to have a time of uh, family prayers. So God of highest heaven, occupy the throne of our heart. Take full possession and reign supreme. Lay low every rebel lust, that no sinful Let no sinful passion resist your holy war. Show your mighty power and make us yours forever. You are worthy to be praised with our every breath, loved with every part of our soul, served with every act of our life. You've loved us, adopted us, received us, purchased and washed. You've favoured us, you've clothed us, you've adorned us. While we were worthless and vile, soiled and polluted, We were dead in sin, having no eyes to see you, no ears to hear you, to taste, to desire your joys, no intelligence to know you. But your spirit brought us to life, having brought us into the new kingdom as as new creatures, giving us spiritual insight. You've opened up to us your word as a light, as a guide, as a comfort and a joy. Your presence is is to us a treasure of unending peace. Nothing can separate us from your compassion, for you have bound us with cords of love and forgive us daily, hourly. Oh, help us to walk worthy of your love. Keep us, for for we cannot keep ourselves. Protect us, that no evil would come upon us. Help us to walk by your side, lean on your arm, to talk with you. We ask that we might be the salt of the earth, and a blessing to all. Amen.